Thank you for listening to the Fashion Africana podcast. Please be respectful of the intellectual property featured in this episode. Hello, I'm Beatrice Angut Ola, and you're listening to Fashion Africa Now podcast. Today I'm speaking to Chebe. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Chebe, could you please briefly introduce yourself to us? Okay. Uh, my name is Chebet Mutai. I am from Nairobi, Kenya, and I own a lifestyle brand called Wazawazi, which is a play on two Swahili words that loosely translates to open-minded. So my brand is about an open expression uh, and a celebration of diversity for culture, people, color, food, music, you know, everything. So yeah, the brand is in fashion. We started in fashion. Uh, actually, we had been making clothes for a while before we specialized to what we are really known for, which is leather goods. And um, we are now getting back into the clothing because we realized that we have the same consumer and we can have different touch points for that same con- uh, co- consumer um, who, you know, is looking for something interesting, well thought, exciting, and, and we can offer them that. So that is what uh, Wazawazi is. is a fashion brand that... Um, tells the story of Africa through creativity and design, fashion, and lifestyles. Wow, beautiful. You have an interesting start working as an economist at the World Bank, which is totally Mm. different to the fashion industry. Can you tell us what brought you um, the transition to a luxury lifestyle brand, Wazawazi, with sustainability, being at the heart of its mission? So how I ended up in fashion, honestly, was kind of a reaction to a problem that I I interpreted as recurring. So when, I'm, when I was working in this space of development, I thought that working in development meant that I would be part of solving problems like action, you know, camera lights, action, solve problems and, 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 and this is not what was happening, especially because of how slow and bureaucratic things are in the development world. And so I traveled around um, sub-Saharan Africa, and I came to the conclusion that um, only a proactive approach to development uh, would solve what I perceive are the issues of basics in Africa. So why are we seeing, why, why is is there even a development conversation to begin with? It's because a lot of basics are lacking, you know. Um, And I don't want to portray Africa as a, you know, destitute place because actually my whole brand is against that conversation, that portrayal is to... But, but, you know, we're dealing with some issues of basics, of access to to healthcare, access to education for a lot of children. And that was particularly important to me, um, access uh, to education, because I grew up knowing that, you know, get a good education, get some uh, some knowledge in you, and then you get a job, and then, yeah. you know, you fix your problems and you fix everyone's problems. Uh, but, you know, working in development, I saw that more and more people 
were struggling because they lacked the fundamentals, you know, education. Yeah. So I thought, okay, if we create a business and hire these people, then we can solve, we can, we can reverse engineer the problem. So we create at the, at the basic level, we create jobs for these people who uh, come into our space. But then we hope that by creating jobs, then their children can get good quality education, have access to healthcare. And so in a way, my whole being is about being in development. And, and now it's hitting me as, you know, a big irony because I said I don't want to work in development work. And I do realize that I do work in development work because I'm trying to solve those issues of basics. But then, you know, put portray it all or come across or package it as progressive as beautiful because for me I don't see myself living anywhere else but here you know because I see it as this amazing magical fantastic place and I want to help things better because I'm also not blind to the plight of others who are you know suffering with basics so this is how I ended up there Um, I studied economics uh, and in many ways, ticked off all those boxes that you are supposed to tick, you know, go to school, tick, get a job, get a good job. Uh, and then I quit to start this brand. So that's how it was. And um, I don't regret it. Of course, I do miss, you know, having a regular salary, for example, <laughs> or, uh, or you know, not worrying. You know, once, once you finish your assignment, you know, you don't have to think about that. You just pack it and leave it. I do. I do sometimes miss that. But then the flip side of everything is that I'm I'm in this space of creativity. You know, making stuff, creating jobs, shipping it all over the world. We have products all over the world, and it makes me so happy to see that you know my my ideas are appreciated across the world. So, Beautiful, amazing. Yeah, yeah this is so yeah. good to hear. You know, because you are a brand based in Kenya, you know, starting from the ground. And um, I'm so happy you, you made the decision, you know, because I think for so many, they might think of it, but they still fear yeah. to go off, yeah. you know, to take off, to really take that move. And, and if we do not overcome our fears, we're not getting anywhere. That's always what I say, you know, like where your fear is, this is the direction. Yeah. If you don't go there, you are going to be stuck. So yeah. what, what insight can you share on the impact creative businesses and fashion brands can have on the African economy? Um, first of all, uh, in my opinion, everything anyone does on the continent, so long as it is positive and progressive, is going to add value. It, it doesn't matter, you know, engineering, uh, telecommunications, healthcare, nutrition, beauty, everything matters um, because we we all cannot be in the same space, first of all. So any anyone who wants to be part of that conversation or just needs to do it, and I like what you just said, that fear is is in the direction of where you need to go. Or what did you yes, say? I said, yeah, yeah. Fear is actually leading you to your direction. Oh, yeah. Fear is leading you to your direction, yeah. So all those things that are scary, actually things that are needed, like we literally need more people 
doing those things like yesterday. So the, I, I would encourage everyone uh, to do something. We It's the only way. And we, we are all aware, everyone in the whole world, the whole world knows that Africa is the last frontier in terms of growth development. So we need to take those opportunities before other people come and just grab them right off our faces. Exactly. And this is the point, yeah. you know, this is also what I see from my end because we are, we are, we are creating, we are building and sometimes you do not have all the information and yeah. first of all, also the finance. And suddenly you wonder that you had an idea, but then it's not anymore um, possible for you to, to, to create it because it has been already taken over from an Eurocentric uh, company and Sometimes I really wonder how we can support um, creatives also in to think into um, a business. It's important that, that creatives realize um, it, it's good to create, but they should also think of it as a business, you know, yeah. because this is, this is a huge business, fashion, art, uh, music. You know, it's always good to, of course, be on the creative side, but at the end of the day, it's important to see, okay, how is this business running? Um, is really also the African continent benefiting? Is, is the economy increasing? How are the markets? And um, I always wonder how to also advise younger creatives that mm -hmm. they look more into that um, part of business aspect. Do you also work on yeah. that or do you educate younger creatives? Yeah, so, you know, um, while Africa has traditionally has had a very intricate relationship with fashion and design, because we've always, you know, been almost like costuming and dramatic, that, that has always been part of our ways, right? Um, and then somebody came, uh, you know, told us that our ways were not like the best. So come, stop all this and let's focus on uh, making you civilized. So that meant stop wearing your sisal skirts, stop wearing your, stop painting your faces, stop doing all that. And let's, you know, tie you down to this, our notion of civilization. But now we are going back to our, you know, at our default. We're seeing more and more people being so expressive uh, wearing their Africanness boldly, and 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 this presents two opportunities. One, that as Africans we go back to our culture and embrace what we are, because it turns out there was nothing wrong with the cycle stats. <laughs> there was absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, so that's one component and two there's also the business opportunity because as time goes we're seeing more and more people appreciate this return to us we're seeing more people in diaspora african americans or, or black people living abroad you know looking back home and saying wait a minute i like that there's nothing wrong with that so i'm going to have that and and, and there is a need to fulfill this need to connect or consume African. I mean, you'd need to yeah. be really dumb not to see the one plus one of that. So um, my company um, has traditionally been training people um, on the job. 
because there is no institution that provides training for luxury good workers and we of course we are nowhere near the levels of, of france you know they've had a head start we are catching up because we won't reinvent the wheel um but as as we reflect yeah. on who we were and where we are now i i came to the conclusion that it only makes sense for us to train so for mm-hmm. about 2 3 years we've been training workers uh, to you know make our products on the job but actually starting this week we have a school a training institute for my target audience is exactly who made me start to begin with is people who didn't have opportunities training them but you know that assumes that you have idle capacity but now with the help of a few uh, friends of the company they're going to sponsor great some of these trainees because in the in the past we were doing it for free but now we want to scale we want to train 300 workers in the next uh 18 months wow this is a great so, number yeah for not for myself only but for the industry so that once and for all we solve the problem of lack of quality workers because we are going to create an influx of high quality workers and we're going to train them right here at Wazawazi so by the time you come wow right there in kenya great right here in kenya for 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 nairobi for kenya and also for the region because also you're seeing in europe there are less and less people interested in working as uh, factory workers and then look uh, look on to this side we have an abundance of a vibrant agile young population that is just being for opportunities why not again you need to be really dumb not to see the opportunity come on it's, it's right there so we need more people you know interested in organizing this idle capacity perfect, into productive this is amazing what makes your product ethical and sustainable and where do you also source your leather um Okay so first of all uh, when I was in Berlin Fashion Week I met uh, I met this company that made me laugh not because of what they were doing but because of the judgment they had towards me because I work in leather what they don't understand is that we live in a dominantly pastoralist yes. continent livestock is part of our life no one is breeding cows here for their hide it is a byproduct of a way of life for us so for a very long time leather was just being thrown around because no one had any value attached to it it's only now that somebody did 1 plus 1 is 2 let's ship out all these hides to china where there is a big demand and then now of course there's controls about around how much leather uh, can be exported but they assumed that our the politics of leather in europe is the same as the politics of leather here it's not the wow. same wow give us an insight first of all i mean it's it's different we, the, we like the maasai people love their animals they fight and they kill each other for one more cow i mean it's a way of life so we collect that as a byproduct as opposed to it being you know degrading uh, or being thrown away we now create a whole new industry not just here but all over the world there's a whole life 
cycle that begins after the animal yeah. has been slaughtered for its meat. There's a whole ecosystem that depends on the leather industry, from the abattoirs to the tanneries to the designers and then to the end consumer. So as far as I'm concerned, our sourcing of leather is extremely ethical because otherwise all of that goes straight into the environment, creating a whole new biohazard threat for those communities. One, two, remember why I started the company? I did have to work in, I did have to do this. I, I had a job at the World Bank. Do you know how much people work in the name of development and get paid for? They make a lot of money. I did have to do this. Yeah. But it, it became unethical to say that I work for development for reduced poverty and the only poverty that was reducing as far as I could see was my own. So I'm like, wait, we're sure changing these Africans. We are saying we're working to reduce the poverty. I'm not seeing none of that. So what if my mother brought me up very well. I was brought up by a, um, a single mom and a grandmother and I saw them work. And I'm only now is when I'm learning to, you know, introduce some sort of balance in my life. Other than <laughs> you, but nice. Apart from you know uh, working so hard, they also taught me the value of community, the value of helping people in need. Like for me, it was it is so ingrained in me that it doesn't make sense to just be quiet yes, thank or you. to do nothing when other people are are suffering. And you know poverty in the world is if the people who control this world decided to end poverty, it would end today. Thank There's you. nothing like poverty. It's a, it's, it's a social construct. It's, it, it, some people kept poor for a reason because they, if you look at the haves and the have-nots, why not just distribute that um, uh, that uh, pie yeah. fairly? Yeah. Yeah, right. And if we could, and somebody might listen and say, oh, 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 you should work harder. No, let's go back to history and see when the the inequality started. And it has nothing to do with white and black, but it is the history of inequality that continues now. And unless we stop it, we have another thousand years of just haves and have-nots. Mm. So for me, the the conversation of being ethical. Uh, is inherent. Yeah. It's in it. I realized now when I started to go for international shows, I saw people talking about we are so ethical. We pay people fairly. I'm like, why do you have to tell people this? What have you been doing then? What, how, <laughs> Thank no, you. No, You're no. pointing it out now. Exactly. This is actually something. Why? What should what be normal? <laughs> this, this should be normal. What do you mean we are fair? What? What? Why do you have to tell anyone that you're fair? It should be obvious. So I'm starting to learn to, you know, in, introduce that conversation because I realize that um, that stuff gets you paid, and if I get paid, I can hire more people, train more people. So I'm just going to join that party and say, yes, we are ethical. We care about the environment. I grew up with a grandmother who was planting trees right, right, left, and center. At that point, I didn't value it. Right now, if I live far from trees, I literally get nuts. If you thought I was nuts, I, was going, I'm, I get worse. Wow. If I'm not near nature. So for me, what do you mean you're not protecting the environment? Do you know you're dead without it? Or how stupid 
are you not to appreciate the environment? Why are you not? Why do we even have to start protecting the environment? We are the environment. So why are we here? Exactly. To begin with, it 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 baffles me. So your question is uh, is shocking me. <laughs> really, it still shocks me. For us here in the diaspora, it's like this is the question, and and from my point of view, I'm also trying to open up this dialogue by saying ethical here in Europe is not ethical in Africa. I mean, the, it's not. the, 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 the <laughs> fact that, that you have to mention you're paying workers fairly, you, you're guaranteeing that workers are in a safe space. Excuse me? The question is right. What have you been doing before? And, and this is why I, I, I find it interesting that we hear your voice saying, what's up? You know, because for so many over here in the diaspora, this is the way to go. And also the fact that um, secondhand is dealt here completely in a different manner than in Africa. For so many up to today, they believe if they dump their secondhand clothing with an NGO and it's going to be shipped over to Africa, they are doing a great thing. This story is not told and it's now slowly but surely popping up that we need to find different ways of, of dealing with secondhand because what I always like to say is Africa is not a secondhand continent. We, we, we are number one, so we do not need secondhand. And, and, and we need to really um, put more effort into this conversation, Shebet, for real. And also it brings me also to the next question because yes. um, what's also your journey like, you know, getting... Your, your bags, your, your, your product into the international market. Because if I think of this whole ethical um, manner, you need also certain certificates to guarantee you're on a sustainable brand. But again, is it, you know, what I want to say? Yeah. I mean, for example, I tried to first be a part of fair trade and remember again reading the eight fair trade rules of engagement and I remember laughing and like what this is ridiculous why does anyone need information more information on being all this being good so then I tried to apply for some of the international ones they're built to cut you out they require you to have this validation that that and i'm like okay i need to put around five thousand dollars on some okay a thousand dollars even on the side to fill up this certification b cop for for you to think that i'm good what i'd rather put that money in in in, uh, improving my company for now until when i have access i'll give you your thousand euro so that you can tell me that i'm good but it's nonsense thank you for your statement exactly because i wonder you know on one point um the 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 western world is so interesting to get their product to africa but when it comes the other way around oh yeah suddenly you need this document you need these requirements and i'm like you are still now want to tell us you're talking about fair business yeah you know um part of our conversation around um, Kenya Bureau of Standards um, textile industry, I mean, a committee, uh, just having conversations around that, you know, importation of secondhand. 
So first of all, we are being held hostage by the US specifically because they say, okay, we'll send to balance trade. Remember there was a conversation that said uh, the trade balance is not is nowhere near equilibrium. So why don't we try and support trade? So we came up with things called preferential trade agreement that we can export coffee and tea, leather, what, 6,400 items to the US. Kenya and around 50, not 50, we are less because for example, Rwanda is not part of it. Let's say 43 African countries, a part of the AGOA, African Growth Opportunity Act and that those items get into the US tax free. So we become competitive against China, for example. Yes. But in exchange, one of the things that we have to do is to take the secondhand items. So first of all, Rwanda uh, recently told them, no, we don't want to be part exactly. of your preferential trade. But don't bring your second-hand things to Rwanda. Rwanda is the only African country where second-hand clothes are not allowed. Exactly. But for that, they were cut off from the reduced trade conversation. Fine. Kenya backed out. They were like, whoa, because we have all the coffee, we have all the flowers, we have a lot of things that we export. They probably did, okay, if we keep bringing Mtumba, uh, Mtumba we call it Mtumba here, second-hand clothes, uh, the only industry that suffers directly is the textile industry. So they're like, ah, oh, man, uh, sacrificial lamb, let that one go. Mm. So that is why there is a lot of, it will be a long time before leather and textiles here are sorted, for as long as those second-hand clothes keep coming. The second thing about uh, the, the, this um, Mutumba is that I realized we had a committee meeting the other day and it was around the kilos, the bale. Yes. So the bale, the, the is the proposal or the insistence by the U.S. and all these other people who bring second hand that they want the bale to be fifty kilos, okay? But when we send ours, needs to be twenty three to thirty kilos. Why are we not applying the same? So we sent it back and said no. Then increase our, even our porters are tired. They can't be lifting uh, higher than 23. So there's no, no, no favor being done when they send us this um, second-hand clothes. Of course, there are people who need second-hand clothes, but the minute we go the Rwanda way, yes. we're going to force a, a provision for everyone. It's going to happen, but I think we should uh, stand Wonderful. Against uh, second-hand clothing. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have my lunch over here, so I'm going to be chewing. <laughs> I hope that's okay. Please don't chew. We need to talk clearly, my sis. <laughs> this is the first person on your podcast who's eating. Yeah, but it's interesting. You enjoy your peas right there in Kenya. Yeah. <laughs> my sister, you're saying it because this is the thing. If we if we do not stand for it, you know, we need to grow. Um, the, the, the fashion economy in the countries, you know, and, and if yeah. we do not really come up also with our, um, with our um, needs and if we do not position ourselves proper, we're not going to get anywhere, you know. And, and that's why for me here also from the diasporic perspective, yeah. this is what I'm also trying to make clear that there is a scene, you know, in these countries and this belief of of aid, you know, we need to get rid of it. 
this this was something Eurocentric came up with to again give them the legitimation to have control over Africa. They needed to use a tool so they can be there because in the 60s we had the independence, the countries were free, wanted to do their thing, but they yeah. couldn't let go and they created this idea of aid, you know. So and I'm like no, it's time for trade as you said it already, you know. We have we have a scene, a creative scene happening in different countries. Could you also give us an insight of the creative scene in Kenya? What is it like, you know, the fashion scene so we over here can have a picture? The saddest part about this conversation, especially because you mentioned it, is that Thomas Sankara, mm. the late great Thomas Sankara said the same things at a conference in Addis. Yes. He said, "Why do we have to wear anything that is not from the continent why why can't we wear our boobs yes and, and in the same conversation he also said i probably be assassinated for this but i have to be the person to say this we don't want trade can all these leaders put their foot down and say to hell with trade we don't need it because the last time i checked we are the ones with the oil we are the ones with the diamonds mm. we are the ones with the resources thomas sankara already brought this up many years ago and we're still talking about this so this is the other problem i had with development work is that we were saying the same things over and over as i go on and read history i see that there's nothing new around everything that we're seeing we're now having a new colonial master mm. he has the same color as me he's black he's oppressing our people he gets into power and he does that we have to call it out you know there's only so far we can blame white people for our problems but at the moment we are our own worst enemies so sorry to digress from your question a little bit uh but the creative uh, industry um is booming here uh because we've seen in the last eight years um a, a pan african movement of people adopting their africanness or across the continent it's happening and 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 that is you know making a big uh, you know a big shift in in um in what is happening you know it's creating the change that we needed to see more people are consuming locally and for as long as local consumption is being driven then it's like open country up in here anyone can get into the creative sector and just grow i mean and it's happening i mean we have all these young graduates from our universities fashion schools i see them now starting their own businesses they're not asking for jobs i don't i barely get um, applications from unless they're applying in other companies but i don't get many requests for for internships because they're doing their own thing they're already hustling they're out there they're making skirts they're making ties they're doing all of that so it's happening what we need to organize i think more aggressively is um the access to markets local and international uh and then uh, in parallel would be quality requirements for international business that's something we definitely need to work on mm. uh and then fast forward um is you know uh trends 
uh, knowledge of, of that. I mean, I guess if you come from fashion school, you should be able to grow into that. But, you know, being aware of what is being aware and relevant as well internationally, it takes time. Uh, but that is the only way we can do it. And just in, encourage more people to just uh, do it. Um, and it's happening. For Kenya, for sure, it's really booming. It's growing. In the next 10 years, it's going to be crazy. Wow. This is great to look into the future. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. This is what we want to hear. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. And how would you describe your, your brand, Wazawazi brand? Um, for me, Wazawazi is a platform to curate an African experience, a positive African experience. And truth be told, we are known for fashion and design right now. But as I've gone along the way, I've seen it as an opportunity to be an accelerator, to be a wealth creator because of a certain leverage advantage that I have had, not that I had before. But for example, I met you in a street in Berlin. Exactly. And we're talking about this. And I've had so many similar experiences that put me in an advantage of a network, international network, that has made me start to rethink how do I go about accelerating African stories. So yes, we are in fashion, but we are now officially also in training because I'm trying to solve that problem proactively. Uh, we also have our Wazawazi travel company that started because people wanted to come to the factory. And then after that, they wouldn't leave. They want to hang out. Um, and they were welcome, of course. But I'm like, oh, God, I have this to do, this to do. And I thought to myself, okay, why not start to curate the experiences beyond going to the safaris and seeing the animals? After that, you know, there's only so much safari you can take in a week. After that, you're like, okay. Show me the clubs, show me the fashion houses, show me the um, schools, show me the this, you know. And then, and so that was what Wazawazi was about. It was like, fine, you do your safari. And when you want to see the real Nairobi, call us. We take you to meet people. We hang out. We do this. We eat peas and just chill and talk and connect. Uh, and, and you see, it's, it's, it's stemming off the mother brand, the farm foundation, which was our fashion brand. So fashion for me has given me a platform to accelerate conversations. And you know, you, time is not infinite. It's only a limited, a limited, yeah, limited amount of time that we have to create our impact or to create our value for our community. And as Africans, we even have more work because there's more work to be done in the short term. Yeah. So yeah this is so right good that you're pointing it out we have more work yeah. to do absolutely because infrastructure is still not yet all over the place set up um the understanding also of the creative industry so yeah. many do not understand they believe it's only about collections and models they're not understanding the business behind it and also the fact advertising is it you know, so there's still a huge, a long way to go, but, but I see yeah. the way we are already progressing. And what I believe is definitely the connection between diaspora and Africa. If we come mm -hmm. together, if we work and if we connect, um, this is how we move faster. So mm -hmm. what can we expect to see from you and Wazawazi in the future? 
Um, so actually, from that trip um, I had in Berlin, I'm going to have a collaboration with a brand called Zamt Berlin. I don't know if you know it. Great. Zamt Berlin. I actually mm-hmm. haven't heard of it. Okay. So it, is, it was founded by two architects and fashion designers. And we're going to make a, a collection that is a blend of both worlds because I would like to you know, increase my awareness of uh, European markets. So for me, it's, it's, a, it's a collaboration. It's, it's two-way. You learn something about me. I learn more about you and be able to introduce the brand uh, to Europe uh, in a systematic manner. And, and then just see how that goes. Uh, but we're focusing strongly on design going forward because we have a very loyal client base. So it's important to keep them occupied and busy. And, and so that's what we're going to do. Uh, so that's for the fashion brand clothing as well uh, with the, with the uh, sustainable uh, cotton, organic cotton that we were talking about Yes, uh, with you. So I'm looking into that. Let's make my expression of what it means to be a modern-day African. Perfect. Really. And I assume the production will be in Kenya. The production has to be in Kenya. Perfect. Yeah. But right now, what is urgent is to train a big workforce for high-quality manufacturing dedicated to us but with time also for the industry creates a surplus of good workers um and then of course we have uh, our curation brand that curates uh, experiences and all the customers you have in that business believe me came because of our fashion brand all of them wow we don't have any walk-ins it's just our existing customer who says hey i I see you take people to the mara i see that i can come hang out in your factory uh how's that so we're going to build on that leverage that uh, the power of those association and network to accelerate because africa cannot do things the way the rest of the world did because otherwise we'll need another hundred years but we need to be like you know a nucleus and has you know various touch points around it so right we cannot i uh, we cannot operate in isolation of people and ideas do not isolate the ideas because we need the wheels to move faster super right and the thing Mm. is also we need to find i think our own language our own way of doing it you know because what I see sometimes that, oh, this is how Europeans have been doing it. Let's adapt. I think it's time now, what you just said, you know, to find our own way of dealing with this situation and coming up with our own solutions. Yeah. We have our experience. We have our own knowledge. If we just think back historically, traditionally, they have been doing their business. They have been creating they have been always finding their way out so we shouldn't depend on eurocentric views or 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 how it has been done you know i think it's time yeah it's time to to learn mm. it doesn't work adapting somebody else's or way of doing things is a mute point because that method only works all factors are constant that the environment is the same the resources are the same the people are the same, but because we don't exist in those perfect worlds that can be copied here, 
you just borrow the best part then forget the rest and don't hang on to it i mean it's, it's even embarrassing really we, we really <laughs> i really struggled working in development work even just sitting in a meeting and people talking about me as if i don't exist me being an african i'm like oh my god this is horrible <laughs> <laughs> sister <laughs> So good. I mean, yeah, that's why we're, we're, we're hearing you. You know, this is your experience. And I'm so mm. glad you're sharing it with us on Fashion mm. Africa Now podcast. Because yeah. there are so many young people out there who are maybe also, you know, in the developing sector. And who may yeah. have the same feeling. And they don't mm -hmm. know the way out. So it's, it's, it's good you're sharing it, you know, and, and your progress. You came up with your own business. You're doing well. I mean, we met in Berlin. I'm so glad it was, I don't believe in coincidences. It just had to yeah. be. We were there on the street. We met on the streets of Berlin. Imagine. <laughs> Imagine it. Eh? Yeah. During, during Imagine. Berlin Fashion Week. I'm telling okay. you. And I wish we could talk longer. You know, this yep. is so delighting and we mm. need to catch up. I'm looking forward to see you in Kenya. I'm going to be there. We don't know yet when with this whole Corona, but I, I, I'm looking forward to that. And yeah. what we always do on Fashion Africa Now podcast, we have two key questions. I mean, yeah. one, you almost already tickled, but I'll still ask it. So yeah. the first one is... What does fashion mean to you? Fashion for me is a platform to express myself. Really, I don't know what else it could be. For other people, it probably is different. And you can tell me what others have said. But for me, it's a platform, an opportunity to express myself. Wonderful. The second question is, how do you define your role in this movement? A wealth creator. A wealth creator because... I am now learning to leverage on my opportunities and my connections and connect both worlds, the ones who need the connections and the people who have what the person looking for that connection is looking for, uh, who has that solution, and just aggregate those, those forces. My role is to mobilize and to organize um people and ideas um and you know accelerate make things move faster perfect well said yeah. yeah i'm looking forward to this i can see you are woo you have the energy on the forefront and yeah creating and it's a pleasure Absolutely. So yeah. where can we find you on the net? Tell us. Also, we have a website. The website is Wazawazi, which is w-a-z-a-w-a-z-i.co.ke. Um, we'll soon move to .com, uh, but that is how it has been for a long time. And we, of course, have our social media handles, Wazawazi, and my name is Chebet Mutai. And, uh, yeah, I look forward to connecting with... Um, more people perfect one little question yeah. since you're considering yeah. to change the website why don't change it into wazawazi.africa um what about the findability of that domain because there's also a whole 
it's it, I would love it for it to be dot Africa, but there's a whole science of digital spaces and and the, the traffic or the mm. network of the internet that would make that a bit more complicated. I need to compete with mainstream brands as well and be found. Um, yeah, so that's the, the the main reason. But for now, that's not a strategic move for me. Okay, good. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was yeah. a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah. No, the pleasure was mine. Thank you. Thank you for taking your time. My dear, it was lovely. We are here yeah. doing this and we are keeping up the work and yeah. we are we are we're ready to connect and really push forward. Thank you so much for having me. I enjoy talking to you. Thank you for all the work you're doing in accelerating conversations around fashion in Africa. We need you. Thank you. Yeah. A pleasure. So I look forward to connecting. Yes, my dear. Thank you. You're listening to Fashion Africana Podcast. We humbly ask you to respect our intellectual property. We want to leave you inspired, informed, educated, connected. This is who we are. Fashion Africana Podcast. Get in touch with us on fashionafricanow.com.